Hi everyone. Today we are here with Joe W. Owens. It's the Joe W. Owens podcast coming to you live from Poinciana Avenue on June 22nd, 2021. Joe, I'm so glad you could join me today. Nice to be here. (laughs) Excellent. Well, I want to give all of your family, friends, and fans, we'll just call them the three F's, um, a better insight to you, the man, the myth, and the legend, and what makes up Joe W. Owens. Let's just start right there. How'd you get the name Joe W. Owens? Uh, I was named after my father with a surname, Joseph, and I was named after my grandfather with the William part of it. So J.W. is, um, that's how that name showed up. I think it makes you sound really official when you answer the phone, J.W. Owens or Joe W. Owens. It's just... In fact, when I worked at Western, if you took the name Joe and put it with Owens and you said it sort of quickly, it sounded like Jones. (laughs) So I learned very early. I would say, say, yes, Mr. Jones. And I say, Owens is the name, Joseph W. Owens. And then from then on in, I just... This is J.W. Owens. I've never had a problem with it. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. No, I could definitely see that, especially uh, as you got into your career and everything like that. But let's let's keep you down at your uh, your early days. So um, who who is your mom? Who is my mom? Yeah. Uh, Mary M. Owens, uh, born in 1912. And uh, she had three children. I was primary. I was number one. <laughs> Always in her eyes. And how much did you weigh when you were born? I weighed nine pounds, two ounces, I think. Okay, so you're a big baby. Yes, I was. Okay, very good. And how much did your mom weigh when she um, got, got married? She uh, told us this all the time. Pounds. 112 pounds. Yeah, so 112 pounds having a nine-pound baby, that's, that's pretty significant. So that's, that's pretty cool. So, uh, and uh, why don't you tell me uh, your dad, so Joe Sr., what was one of your favorite memories of um, your dad as you were a young boy? Um, when I was very young and uh, my father was um, always... 21 years older than me. And uh, it, uh, the one thing that I very remember, remember he died when I was 16. So therefore, in tallness, I never quite got to him. <laughs> he was 5'11", and I became six foot, but after he died. And was the idea of walking next to him when I was smaller than he was, trying to stretch my body to be tall as he was, or uh, taller. But that's the one thing I remember. I also remember this. Uh, My father was very well liked by a lot of people, and uh, he had a way about him that when he met you, he made a very strong influence on you. First of all, he never called you by your name because he always forgot it. So he always called John, H-O-N. Hey, John, do this, do that. So he was a very unusual guy. Mostly that he, if you ask if he had a lot of friends, he'd say no. But he did have a lot of friends, but he did not. Uh, people just automatically attached themselves to him. Uh, he was also a guy who you could trust with anything. And... Uh, 
basically the closest people to him growing up, as I remember, was the next door neighbor. Hmm. Now that seems funny, but the next door neighbor was very much uh, with him. His name was Clarence Lysick. But Clarence and Joe were very close, helping each other out, that kind of thing. But I, I remember that because most people don't have a next door neighbor they hang out with. <laughs> That's what my father did. Um, he also was a very gratuitous guy, like this. If he did you a favor, you better be giving him a favor back, <laughs> or he'll never, you'll never get another favor. He was that kind of a guy, and not that he started out to do that, but he was basically one person who, like, when my father was young, up until the time he died, he always smoked. And therefore, what he looked for from somebody was, I'll do you a favor, give me a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> that was what he looked like in remuneration. But it was really funny because he always wanted his back. In other words, it was never here, here. It was always, always wanting to be paid back. <laughs> Very unusual guy that way. Oh, that's so funny. So, uh, Dad, what what do you think that you inherited from your father? So what do you know is very much like him that you know is also like you? I think likability. Likability. I'm, like, I'm liked yes. by a lot of people. And my father was loved by a lot of people. Yeah. He just did. Yeah. He, he, would, he would walk into a room and basically people would become attached to them. He didn't know he wasn't seeking it out. He basically had a drawing thing to him. Uh, so if you were with Joe, that was his name, and you basically uh, wanted to be around him or what, like that, that kind of thing. So he did have a natural attachment for people not seeking it out. Oh, I definitely see that in you. I see that in all your kids too, uh, just in terms of loving to be around people and, and bring people in. So that's pretty cool. So I know Nana. I didn't get to meet your dad, um, but your mom, uh, we got to spend a lot of time with and she has, uh, she's the matriarch of this family. Um, so what do you remember about your mom when she was a young woman? Um, even though she was... Uh, not a strong-looking woman. She was. I mean, she did come across as tough. Yeah. She was tough. Tough. Basically, she uh, she never took. She always called it guff. I don't take guff from anybody. <laughs> that kind of a girl. And uh, so basically, she was a very strong woman, strong-willed, and uh, always wanted to get. Her will over you. Uh, she was right and you were wrong. And, uh, <laughs> she liked to win. That's right. She did like to win. And for instance, Jack, my youngest son, Jack Owens, that would be your brother. No, your, no your brother. That's my brother. Yes. Yeah. Jack. No, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about... My son? Your brother, yeah. Okay. Uh, Ryan? Jack Ryan. Okay. Ryan, I'll tell you, Ryan used my mother like she was a ping pong ball. Because <laughs> what she would do is he would tell her lies in regard to the way he was treated 
in order that he would be treated well by my mother. <laughs> oh my and then, and my mother, instead of saying, "Are you sure that happened?" He, she would, if he said it happened, it happened. <laughs> so basically, she defended him to the nth degree. Yes. Which he sure as hell didn't deserve. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't want all this. <laughs> he was a. Uh... He was uh, definitely the baby well, of the when, group. When he was coming up uh, through the ranks, so to speak, he got in a lot of scrapes, you know, in regard to, uh, you know, backdoor stuff, fighting over the sandbox or something. <laughs> and uh, he was always right, right, instead of sharing the blame. Mm-hmm. But he was unusual. <laughs> and, uh, oh, my and, uh, I can't believe this. But um, my mother basically was... Uh, Strong, strong woman. That's all I can remember. Yeah. Was, what do you think you got from her? Uh, the resoluteness, uh, the self-assuredness, that the basic uh, trait of uh, not lauding over, but knowing exactly what your position was. Yeah. And always adhering to it. And uh, she was like that. <laughs> I remember Nana telling a story about, um, was she like uh, quarantined in your house when she was young? Yes, she was. What was that all about? Uh, when she was very young, she had a thing called typhoid. No, typhoid. Black, black flu? No. Black plague? It was really called Quincy. Quincy. And what it was, it was a disease of the throat that was very bad in regard to throwing out a lot of bacteria. And... Uh, my my father, I can't remember what it was called. It was some kind of a fever. Scarlet uh, fever? Scarlet fever. Oh, yeah, yeah. My mom, my, the whole family, except my father, mm-hmm. got scarlet fever. And my mother had to take care of us. And then he would bring the food in, but he couldn't come in. Yeah. But he would bring the food to the door, that kind of thing. And uh, she was very good at that kind of thing. Basically, she was a very tough woman. That could run run something. Yeah. Like, uh, as as my father died and she got a job, she ran the insurance company for a guy named Wadsworth, and he was she was as good at that as she was anything. Mm-hmm. So she made money for him, even though there was no Mary. If you sell that, you could have ten percent of it. Mm-hmm. That never existed. <laughs> but she did it because that's what she was—a doer mm-hmm. in regard to—and she was very very proud of what she did. Mm-hmm. Like she didn't do it and forget it. She would say, he's in good shape because I'm here. Mm-hmm. She was aware of that. <laughs> you know, she told me that she would sneak him in in the middle of the night because they were still young and in love. When she had scarlet fever, he was not supposed to come in the house and she I would sneak that. him in. <laughs> those, those were the things that she taught me growing yeah. up. Yeah, so that that is funny. So you lived at one two three four Pike Street. You grew up in the city of Reading in one two three four Pike Street. What did you like about growing up there? That it was close to the playground. <laughs> what did you do at the playground? I was a baseball player. Okay. And a basketball player, so basically I did two things all the time. So it gave me the opportunity without having any money mm-hmm. to go play baseball or basketball. So it allowed me to pursue things I was rather good at. Mm-hmm. And that's how I did it. Being next to a playground gives you all kinds of avenues of, of play, if you will. Mm-hmm. But um, 
also uh, at that period of time, I, um, this is something I always talk about. I picture myself as seven years old, all right, mm -hmm. and going to school for the first time mm -hmm. at a place called uh, St. Joseph's School, which is a corner of, of Spring and uh, something, mm -hmm. downtown, uh, down the, the railroad station. Mm -hmm. And uh, my mother had no, she was, she was really blind in, in regard to the way she did things. Like, instead of saying, I'm not sending my kid down there, that's too far away, he's only seven, she would say he should be going to Catholic school and he'll be all right. You understand? <laughs> she had faith in we being all right. Yeah. And I would never do that to my own kids. <laughs> never. But she was like, she was very Catholic. Yes. If it was Catholic, it must be good. <laughs> but uh, that's one thing I never understood. That to me, it was taking care of her conscience before she took care of her kids. <laughs> so, so um, what position did you play in baseball? I was center fielder. So you had a good arm. Pretty good arm. I, I really was not a good baseball player. <laughs> uh, mostly because I, I, I never had the ability to look at a 95, an hour, 95 mile an hour fastball and stand up to it right. and hit it. So I was not that good at it. it and so I was a better basketball player. I was such a good basketball player that when I was just, I would say no more than no more than 12, 13, I would go down to this playground when the lights from the city and driving the cars around mm -hmm. was the only light in that play wow. place. Mm -hmm. And I would shoot basketballs by the light shining on the basket. Wow. Uh, I, would, I would do that till 9 o'clock at night, 8 o'clock at night, in order to be good at it. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to be good at it. And I became pretty good at it. So how do you know you were good at it? Well, uh, when I arrived in Europe, and uh, no, pardon me, when I arrived in uh, a place called Camp Breckenridge, Kentucky, mm -hmm. I had played basketball. Uh, I have to get this up in there. I, I, I played basketball, and uh, the, the commanding officer mm -hmm. of our battalion. Mm -hmm looked at my record and saw that I had played high school basketball and and I wasn't never went to college at that time. But the high school basketball and he pulled me out. He said, Can you shoot? I said, Yeah I can and he pulled me out and then while I was in basic training now mm. for those eight weeks. Yeah. In Kentucky? In Kentucky. He and I, he was the captain and I was just the guy walking in the door, played on the same basketball team. So I would go out at nighttime for bivouac. You know a bivouac? No. That's where they stay out overnight long in a tent. Okay. And I never stayed in a tent. <laughs> I can't imagine you in a tent. <laughs> I never stayed in a tent. I played basketball. And then the next morning I came out. And I always made sure the guys who were making everything for me back there, mm -hmm. I would give them things like candy bars and everything like that <laughs> because they were doing everything that I should be doing. Right. So I made sure that... They weren't unhappy with me. So I played basketball all the time. I played basketball all the time when I was in basic training. I also played basketball as soon as I arrived in Europe. 
they saw what I did when I was in the States. I played with them. Remember I told you Camp Record in Kentucky? Yeah. They were the best basketball team in the States. Mm -hmm. They had all college basketball players. Mm -hmm. And I was on that team. Yeah. But I was the 13th man. Mm -hmm. And there was 15 men on the team. Yeah. Which was not heralded. But it gave me the opportunity to play against people who were much better than I was. Mm -hmm. But it made me better. Right. Therefore, when I got to Europe, I played on the Frankfurt team all over Europe. And then I played the Berlin team all over Europe. So I played nothing but basketball when I was in the service. And <laughs> so, uh, well, I wrote to my mother and I said, they had a situation where if you want to go to college, they let you out three months early. Mm -hmm. And I went in on December 1st and got released on September 1st. That's three months early. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I looked forward to that. I got out of service and started college at Albright College. Hmm. So I was in 1955 when I first started, so September of 55, and graduated. I gotta get this right. In December, remember, September 55. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you go to you go to uh, 56 and and and. and uh, June. Yeah. Now I'm 57, 58. I should have graduated in January of 59, mm -hmm. but graduated in in uh, January of 59. Okay. Because I, I kept going to school. Yeah. Instead of taking a break. <laughs> so I got out of school in three and a half years and then started with Western Electric mm -hmm. when I was right out of college. I graduated when I was... Uh, like January 15th, mm -hmm. and started work on December 2nd, 1959. Wow. Wow. Well, hey, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about that, but let's go back to those candy bars. <laughs> so it appears to me that you've had a, a deep affiliation with candy bars your whole life. Yeah. And I didn't realize it started back with giving them to the servicemen. So yeah. um, what is your favorite candy bar and why? Uh, it's Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. I don't know. I seem to like chocolate with peanut butter. <laughs> now that and I don't have many that I like. By that I mean it's, I like that one and that one. It really lands right in that particular thing, and that was it. <laughs> so when you graduated high school, well, how long were you in the military in total? Uh, three years. Three years. Uh, and no, what? No, no, no. Two years, nine months. Okay, two years, nine months. And what was the prettiest place that you saw in the military? Uh, i got to say Holland. Holland. What would you like about it there? It was a place called Copenhagen. Mm. And it was a beautiful spot. It was almost, it was pictureless. Flowers all over the place. And I thought it was very picturesque. And I went on vacation there. <laughs> and then you came home and went to Albright. Yeah. And when you went to Albright, what did you study? I studied uh, basic business, mm -hmm. but I didn't want to be in business. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be in labor relations, mm. some that you, you that you got yep. into. And so when I when I was at Albright, I took a test in social studies mm -hmm. and recorded the highest mark in my room, mm -hmm. which gave me a small scholarship to use to go to college. Mm -hmm. I found out I could use it 
at Penn State. Yeah. I could transfer that that uh, help. Yeah. So I went to Penn State. I remember I'm being paid the GI Bill of Rights. Yeah. And that means they pay everything. The service. Mm-hmm. So I got the GI Bill of Rights, plus I got uh, the uh, scholarship for mm-hmm. social studies, plus I uh, I got uh, help from. Uh, oh, I I worked summers with the with the running railroad. My father worked for the railroad. Okay. So therefore, they all I had to do was say I like to work. And they'd bring me on because my father died while he worked for that company. Oh, I, I, uh, so you had all these things kind of layering together so that you could go to Penn State. And you kind of have a legacy of Penn State. So you have Kevin went there, I went there, Mark yeah. went there, Jody went there. And they all had the same degree. Yeah. <laughs> Similar degree. Ryan. Yeah. Ryan went yeah. there. You know, we have a whole bunch that went there. Yeah. So what makes Penn State great, Dad? Well... It was always, you know, it was the the university that represented my state, mm-hmm. so that's why I went there, and uh, I, I never, I never thought less. <coughs> now, when I was in the service, you ready? Mm-hmm. I was a singer. Yeah. I really was, and I, I used to. We would be out on bivouac. That means all the soldiers together. Yeah. People who can sing mm-hmm. gravitate together. Yeah. All right. And this one guy, who was at your wedding, his name was Joe Kling, <laughs> and uh, he uh, he and I got together and sang out when it was cold as hell. Yeah. Just to warm up the troops. <laughs> and then, would you believe, I was at, I was in a place called. Fort Devens, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. and assigned myself to Europe. That's why I sent myself. Yeah. But Joe Kling went to, uh, it's called FICOM, Korea. Korea. All right, and he was there. And one day, uh, three or four years later, I'm walking down the hall at Penn State. Mm-hmm. That guy yells out and says, Joe. And there he was behind me. Oh, how cool. He made it back into Penn State. Yep, that's right. And uh, so basically, we became very good friends. We could do things that nobody else could do. Entertain. Mm -hmm. And uh, would you believe that we were always trying to find ways to to help us get through college. Mm -hmm. And we went through college. And on a Saturday Saturday night... Mm -hmm. We would entertain at two fraternities, and singing. Get, yeah, singing, and get paid like between seventy-five and a hundred bucks, <laughs> uh, which we'd split. All yeah. Right? And uh, so we just liked doing it, and yeah. liked the idea we get paid to do it. <laughs> so, who did you like to sing? Like, who was your favorite well, uh, singer? I, I mean, Joe and I could imitate people. Mm-hmm. So I could imitate about four or five or six. And he could imitate forty-five or six. Mm-hmm. He would do people like Fats Domino. You don't know yep. who that is. Yeah, But do. he could do him. He could do uh, Elvis. Uh, he's do Elvis. Oh, he could really do Elvis. <laughs> you don't even know who Elvis is, do you? Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> he do Elvis, and he could really do him because he could read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he would. He would say. He would start off his thing, and I couldn't do what Joe did, but he go. 
don't know if you ever heard that song. He starts out like this. Knock me down and steal my car. <laughs> Take my ribbon from an old fruit jar. <laughs> do anything that you want to do, but oh, oh honey, lay off of them shoes, don't you? <laughs> but Joe used to really sing that song. That is funny. I remember you used to sing that song to us all the time when we were oh, little. Did we? Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. And uh, Joe could sing just about all that kind. And I could sing the off, like the Nat Coles and the Sinatras and the other people that he couldn't get to because his, raw, his voice was too rough. Yeah. What's your favorite song? If somebody says, and hands you a mic and gets you ready to get up on front of, uh, on the stage, what song are you choosing? I would probably choose one that I know. And I, <laughs> I, when I, I got married, I don't know if I... Uh, at my at one of all the uh, children got married. Yeah. I used to sing. Uh, what did I say? My funny Valentine. My funny Valentine. Yeah, and at Mary's you sang um, "Summer I, Wind." Uh, I, I did that, yeah. But I used to sing more of the "My Funny Valentine." <laughs> I but when, you know what the other day Jody says? Dad used to sing and used to sing good. Yeah. And and Aunt Pat thought she could sing. Oh, her. don't have that in it. <laughs> yeah, so Aunt Pat oh, is yeah, not sorry. as strong of a singer. Yes, we know that. That that was proven at my wedding. Yeah, that's right. Yes, yes. Oh, that's funny. Well, well, when we think about your sports career, Dad, we heard baseball early on, but not not a huge fan. And then we heard basketball. But were there any other sports that were very meaningful to you over your lifetime so far? Well, there was a sport that I could do pretty well. Uh, my family could do it well. It's funny. Uh, Timmy, Timmy Owens could do it. It was indigenous to us for mm -hmm. some reason. Um, Kevin could do it well. Mm -hmm. Timmy could do it well. And it's a game which takes very good eye hand. Mm -hmm. It was called ping pong. <laughs> you ever hear it? Yeah. We were very good. No matter where I would play in fraternities, I would win. <laughs> My kids would win. Do you understand? Yeah. They all could play. Yeah. And uh, that's the one sport which I just did for fun. Yes. And was pretty good at it. But it requires the same kind of hand that yeah. tennis does. Yeah. And I was a tennis player. Not a fairly good tennis player, but nothing to write home about. Tell me about the steak sandwiches when you went to tennis night. Oh, yeah. I used to stop on the way home and get steak sandwiches and bring it home. And uh, my kids really enjoyed that. <laughs> well, let's talk about how short were your shorts when you were playing tennis. They didn't like that. I, I had no <laughs> trouble with them. But I used to wear them tight. Tight. Tight, yeah. tight, tight. And then, mm -hmm. uh, and then you matured past um, the uh, tennis phase. And then you fell in love with following a little white ball around a big, oh, big golf, green... Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I, uh, I played golf from the time I was, I really started playing golf. I had four uncles, mm -hmm. my mother's brothers, and I was the, I was, six years younger, than the youngest one of them. His name was Bud Daly, mm -hmm. and I was six years younger than him. So basically, when they used to go out to play, those four, mm -hmm. two against two, mm -hmm. they take me with them, hand me a club and hand me a ball mm -hmm. and said, don't hit it 
until nobody can see you because you're not allowed to do that. So that's what I do. And, uh, I learned to really like the sport and uh, played a lot during my life. Yeah, you absolutely loved it. So let's go. Let's go talk about the moment that uh, you laid eyes on uh, this pretty lady to my right. Oh, so. I, I tell you, I, I fell in love with her pretty quick. Uh, I saw her at a place way down in uh, Florida, I forget, in Miami or somewhere. And uh, I really romanced her pretty quickly because <laughs> I only had a short, short window. And... Uh, I uh, went after her pretty good, and uh, it was really a nice relationship. We only dated from Thanksgiving and got married on Thanksgiving. I mean, married on on uh, Valentine's Day. That is a really quick romance. Yes, it was. And now, let me tell you, we're married 51 years, and I wouldn't regret one day of it. It was just... It was almost like God said, I'm going to do a favor for you. <laughs> Pay attention. Yes, that's true. That's true. So so what makes her so wonderful for you? Well, I, if she was married, uh, to be fair to her, if she were married to anybody, she would make anybody a hell of a wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just happened to say, uh, will you marry me? And she said yes, because she wanted to marry me. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. That's really, really good. Oh wow. Well, what what is it? What do you love most that she makes? Polygraph. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, uh, there's many things that she makes. I'll tell you. I don't. I don't really. I'm not fair to what she's able to do in the kitchen, because my appetite left me four, five, six years ago. Yeah. And so basically, I'm a picker and chooser mm-hmm. as opposed to an eater. So she really deserves somebody who can really take advantage of her skills as a as a cook. Yeah. Do you remember the uh, uh, the big uh, Thanksgiving meals that she used to make with everybody, and we'd oh, sit yeah, around the front? Oh yeah, I remember that. What, what was your favorite part around the, the Thanksgiving? I love the filling. The filling. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, the filling was one of the best. Parts of the yeah. whole meal. It was really funny when Mark used to come visit us, and uh, he was doing a show to say in Pittsburgh. He would take mom's filling, and I didn't find out until later. But it's soporific. That means sleep-inducing. <laughs> well, he'd take it here, fall asleep at Harrisburg, wake up at five o'clock in the morning, and drive clear across the state from five to seven, <laughs> so he'd be able to set up in time for nine o'clock. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I mean, everybody would... She could never make enough stuffing. There's no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. So then you went into business with your wife, which not a lot of people have done. Um, and so what did you like about uh, working with your wife? Uh, I think it, it was one of the few things that God gave me in life that allowed me to use what skill God gave me to ascend. I was good at it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I was able to, because of her skill designing and my skill selling it, we made a tremendous team selling something that nobody would ever guess he could possibly sell. Mm-hmm. So that's what it was. It was the idea of her brought out in me 
an ability that I was starving to say, watch me do this. <laughs> That's absolutely right. And you guys did that for a very long time. 25 years. 25 years. What was the highest amount of people that worked um, for you guys? I would guess at one time, we must have had at least 15 people wow. at time working for us. So most, most of them part-time. Yeah. But... Uh, that's what it was, and it was as I said, it was it was my wife's skill that really held it together. <laughs> and then you had uh, this place in uh, Stone Harbor where you had your shop down there. Yeah. What is your favorite thing about uh, your time down in Stone Harbor? Uh, the idea that we opened that place in Stone Harbor gave me a chance, me, because of her skill, to be able to do something that nobody should ever do. That means buy a place at the shore and live in it for almost 15 years, uh, and where that was our business. And uh, it was amazing. It was, it was just something that it, it fulfilled me. That's what mm -hmm. it did. It gave me a place to say, I can do this, and I'm good at it. And uh, and it took a lot of work. I look at that work today, this broken down body, I look at that work today and say, how in the hell did you ever do it? <laughs> but your mother did something also that nobody talks about. She did the business, mm -hmm. and she made the work. Yep. And she raised three children. Yep. Not many people talk about the idea she raised three children while she's doing all that. Mm -hmm. That's to me is, is, is a, tells a lot about the lady. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. And then you had all these kids. So, so tell, tell me about what it means to be the father of all these kids. Well, I, I can see... I think I was lucky to have all those different seven children. And if I were to be able to forecast that these seven children would be born to us and uh, we'd be able to do this with them, uh, I think a lot of it would have been just, I wanna, or I'd like to, but whether that could possibly work. And it just, at my age now, I sit and look at it and say, my God, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> and, and the kids are contributing to it. Mm -hmm. You and, and uh, is a particularly good success story. <laughs> but but your, your brother, your oldest brother, mm -hmm. is really a success story. Mm -hmm. Think about Kevin. Kevin was by far not brilliant. He has the for best me. personality to get along with everybody. Yeah. He gets along with everybody. Yeah. And he makes people want to work for him. Yeah. And nobody has that trick except him. Yeah. So that's what the amazing thing about him. He got on doing what he does because he gets up every day and does it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't talk after this because I'm running out of wind. 
Okay. But he said to me one time, I was down in, way down in Florida, and this guy offers me this big job. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about retiring, and he's offering And I said, well, I'd like to think it over. And he said, and he said, I walked out the door saying, what in the hell do you want to think over? The guy was offering him a ton of cash, a ton <laughs> of money, and he was going to think it over. So anyhow, he got halfway back to Orlando, picks up the phone and says, hi, this is Kevin Owens. I thought it over. I'll take the job. <laughs> I think that was very funny. <laughs> that is very funny. Well, I'm going to give you a break so you can get a, uh, a, a good drink um, here, and uh, we're going to connect up a little bit later. But thank you for um, joining in on the Joe W. podcast, and we'll be right back with you. Hi, and welcome back to part two of the Joe W. Owens podcast. Um, as we're coming back today, we have a whole new group that's with us, and everybody is going to pose one question to Joe W. Owens. At the table, we have Joe D. Owens, so Ryan Thomas, <laughs> Therese Colleen is over there. I see, Patri I see Paige Kathleen. Mark John, Aaron Van Zeelen, and my beautiful mother. And so we're going to go around the table and ask uh, JW um, a question that will help us all understand a little bit more around the man, the myth, the legend. I'm going to hand it over to my baby brother, uh, Ryan Thomas. I'm going to tell you, I've always looked at you like you have a lot of guts, and I wish I had the same thing. I want to hear about your biggest gamble when you took the golden handshake, you retired from... Um, Western Electric, AT&T, and then decided you were going to buy a house in, in the shore and make your money through arts and with the crafts. Tell us about that. Well, uh, that was actually the largest gamble that I ever made. <laughs> and the reason for it was is that if I had any common good sense at all, <laughs> no one would ever do that. So I don't look at that with a, with a sense of pride. I look at it with a sense of uh, mischief because uh, <laughs> that's what it was. But anyhow, the reason I did that is that what people don't know is that that day, uh, my wife was with me, so was my mother. And uh, uh, we went upstairs to look at this place and we got to the top floor and this was called Eight, the, the number of the... Group of top was eight, mm -hmm. wasn't it? Yep, apartment eight. Yeah, 10807. One down at the bottom on the right was five. Mm -hmm. My wife loved five. She loved the way it was decorated and what have you. And I liked eight because it was on the top floor. So I said to the guy who was selling them, I said, How much do you want for this place down here, number five? And he said, um, $133,000. This is Stone Harbor, 133000 And I said, are you kidding? I said, well, how much do you want for the one upstairs? He said, I want 143 for that. I said, do you realize what you're talking about? The one down here, 133, when you get out 10 years from now, this 143 will be worth 183. And your 133 are probably worth 143. He said, I, I do it in regard to the, the work output to get there. And I don't care what it's going to be worth 10 years from now. So I said, all right. I said, my wife wants this one here, but we can't afford to pass over eight because it's going to be worth so much more money. But the, the thing that I missed there was that 
when I made the decision to buy that place, I really had, uh, I had three little kids. I had one who was probably about eight. I was at him down there. And he said, wee, wee, wee. <laughs> and one, one was about nine or ten, and the other was about 11 or 12. That's her. And the point is, is that you never make a decision like that. That's going to affect everybody for the rest of their lives, at least 20 years. And I just stepped up to bat and do it. After the fact, I was very proud of that decision because what it showed is that in the face of this should not work, I stepped up and said, I'll make it work. So basically, that was the pride thing in me, being able to step up and say, I will make this work. Now, of course, I looked to my right and saw who the brains was, and that's why I said it. But uh, that was one of the biggest, really, mistakes I ever made. But in retrospect, just to give you an idea of dollars, are you ready? I paid 143000 for it. When I sold it, I sold it for a quarter of a million, and that was only 13 years later. About five years after that, it sold for a half a million. And not too long ago, it sold for a million, the same place that I was living in. Which means in the long run, I wasn't too smart. Because <laughs> I had the money to hold on to it. And I never uh, did it. But anyhow. Is that Guts. Your I, Guts. I am glad that you made that mistake. Because I think it made all of our lives better. Oh, it did. It we did. all enjoyed it. Uh, really, when I made that decision, I was making it more on Pauline than anything else. Because Pauline was really the the brains behind the whole thing. And she loved the shore. I mean, she really did. And I thought, if I can make this work, and uh, she enjoys herself the way I think she will, and uh, that's why it was done. And uh, it was a good decision. Uh, if I had it to do over again now, I wouldn't have sold it in in uh, 2019. I probably wanted to tell you was that. No, I wouldn't have sold it in 95. Let me just keep it for three. I'd have held it for five more years because that's when I went to IFMA. Yeah. Well, where else would you wear those orange terry cloth shorts? All right, who's up? Okay, next question coming from... Clockwise. Yeah, coming... Okay, Okay. next question coming from Paige Van Zeele. Tracy. She, she, she wants to talk. Yeah, I was said thinking of what she said <laughs> <laughs> Um, So two summers ago, I had the opportunity to watch you get baptized. Oh, I was yes. curious um, what making that decision meant to you and what it meant to you to have all three of your daughters there. That, that, that decision was not made by me. It was made by him. Hmm. But it was made more, more in line of trying to satisfy my three daughters more than me. It was more or less, this This should be done because they both, all three of them are, are there. And I'm not quite there, but this may throw me over the top into there. <laughs> right into the pool. But right I, in the pool. And, and uh, <laughs> that was a, that was a very religious decision, but one I am not at all sorry about. It was really worth it for me. Does that mean he can't go, like, he can't, no, he, is he's no longer Catholic? That's correct. No, he's no yeah, longer Catholic. No that is absolutely correct. Yes. All right, you're up. Okay, next <laughs> question, Trace. 
But he was baptized into Christ. I have to leave the room to come up with a question, otherwise I'm not going to have a question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to watch the video later. Is, to you say, that's what you get for being last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so my question is, is I saw you be a perseverer, like, ever since I was 10 years old. I yeah. took notice to you persevering, just like you did when you left your job. Yeah. You weren't going to look back. You were going to look uh, ahead. And I think that you gave all seven of your children, you know, those kind of, and grandchildren, to be endured, to persevere, to take risk at all costs, you know, that could be yeah. that. And as you look, when you look to your kids, we all do the same thing. You know, we, we take risk, we, you know, do all that. So my, my question tonight is, you know, just through your lifetime, you know, maybe when you were 18 or you know, 22, or what What would you say the three most, uh, a big transition in your life, but fills your heart with so much joy, and it doesn't matter if somebody's not included or whatever, but as you look to something or someone, what was it that really gave you three parts in your life that filled you with joy? Well, I, I don't know if I can get to three, but I'll tell you one. <laughs> We know seven, for sure. You mean because you, because you have so I'm many? Fine. <laughs> but I'll tell you one thing. I'm sorry, I can't help That really changed my life. When I was in the service, I was 21. That's when I went in. And when you're in the service, you meet all kinds of people, all right? And I happened to be in an elite group. Uh, it was called the Army Security Agency. And I would say that about, I would say almost 25 to 30 percent were college graduates. So that was unheard of in the, in, in the service like that. But I, and what would happen is this. Was it uh, ROTC? Is that how you did it? No, no, I didn't do it anymore. But what got me, and this, 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 you talk about inspiration, I would listen, the, the college graduates. I, I remember I was a kid 21 and they're graduate. And they would begin to talk with each other. And they would begin to use words that were foreign to me and shouldn't have been foreign to me. So basically what I did, and I was only 21, I said, what I am going to do, I am going to be so versed in English that I can listen to anybody speak and I'll know exactly what they're talking about. And the reason I did that, it was inspirational for mm -hmm. me. Yep. Yep. And and I really uh, stepped up and said to myself, you've got to, first of all, here I was in the service just a year. I still had two years to go. But at that time, I knew that when I got out, I was going to college. Just to be able to speak mm -hmm. intelligently in a group. Yep. So that is one thing that really speaks. I look back at that, and that took place when I was 21. That was one of the most inspirational things I did. And, uh, and I never looked back and said that you should have done that. That's exactly what I should have done because one of the things in life where you really can excel is in speech. So basically what I did is got together and used a lot of words. In fact, when I used to drive my kids to Florida, I used to <laughs> give them tests. Yeah. Now, I imagine that, a test of, of what's the capital States. of this, uh, how do you spell that, 
I was I was constantly challenging the children in regard to what does that spell. The teachers so, say the vocabulary thing. How can you be so stupid? <laughs> <laughs> we knew all the capitals and oh, all the big words. Was that one? No, that was two things that you talked about, or is that just one? So you have two more. That was one. That was something that really inspired you. You knew that when you saw other vocabulary. people that you wanted to go to college. I, I wanted to be able to, to speak. That's right. I wanted to be able to be in yeah, any English any group and never get lost by what anybody else was saying. You don't know how weak that feels when you're hearing a group talk over here and man, they're so far over your head, you can't believe it. So I really had to get a mastery of the language so that when anybody said anything, I could look at this and say, oh yeah, the root of that is this. I know what that means. Yep. You have a love for words. Yeah. Yes, still I do. doing it yes, at 89. Communication, you know. connection. You somebody how to spell something the other day and I go, it's still happening at 89. We're still <laughs> having to spell something. <laughs> Mark, Mark spelled it right and we all corrected him. Right. <laughs> Avocado we yeah. spelled yesterday. Yeah. He made us yeah. spell it. Like, that ain't yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. 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 That is right. Yeah. Uh, but anyhow, yeah. the, the part, the, the, there's three, <laughs> you're, you're spelling three things. Yeah. Uh, the one thing, the one second thing, is, um, I don't know whether I talked about this earlier, but the idea of of going down and be blessed by you in that pool in, the, where was it? Aaron's. Aaron's pool, that's right. And that was something for me. That, that took a lot of inspiration, and I always felt very secure in what I was doing after that. Mm-hmm. And, um, but that was a good decision for me. I, I surprised everybody with, I'm more or less a guy who never tells you what, exactly what he's thinking because I want to have the rationale to change my decision up to the last minute. Mm-hmm. That's why so I that found... That wasn't the plan. That I'm thinking, the plan. Oh, no, it was. You knew that you wanted to get baptized because you oh, wanted yeah. Pastor Dennis to baptize that's, you that, that, at, in exactly front of the church. Right. And yeah. we said, we have our own pastor here. We that's could right. Do it that's when our, I said that. It was that. so much fact, better. Because that was... I, I didn't want to do it that way. Yeah. I wanted to do it uh, with, with Tracy. Tracy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the last thing is that how happy I am that <clears throat> after it's all written, I had seven children and they all bring me pleasure and hope and uh, a love, everlasting a love of what God allowed me to do while I was on earth. <laughs> was yes, amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Yes, that's that was that's great, great, Dad. Great Go to Joe. Oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm like, mine's 80% formulated. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's, that, yeah, I mean, no, I really, I have nothing, I have nothing great. I talk to him every day. <laughs> that's I what's great. Yeah, that that is awesome. what's great. Ask on our behalf. Yes. But, okay. Well, I'd be, uh, other than your pure joy of how successful I've been, <laughs> why don't you share with us how much how much pride you have in what your other uh, six have done way better than me? Oh, well, not true. That's, that's a leading uh, question. Yeah, well, the point is, is that, like that. Uh, when I look I at lead the witness, he just, <laughs> <laughs> he just got done telling me, okay, you're all gonna have to just suck it up. You ready? 
You're his favorite. Yeah. Oh, I don't believe that. Oh, I do. I do. I do completely. You're his favorite, Joe. Uh, you can live with it. it. Uh, God help. <laughs> Listen, I want to say something be, on his podcast. Forget the long dog. Let's take him to a psychiatrist. You have been here through this whole yeah. last 18 months yeah, more than anyone else. Yeah. I'm the I'm I'm, you, uh, I'm, a, I'm the, the least rock. I'm the least committed the and I'm the closest. No. You're the rock. Listen, you're not the closest. you could live next door and and he could have a son. That wouldn't come over. Next I, I said to him. Yeah. Well, when he says certain things, I said, <laughs> I said to him about uh, I don't know five, three months ago, two months ago. I said, if it wouldn't be for you, I'd be dead, because every day you showed up mm-hmm. and you went and got the food, Not and every brought day. it back. I tested seven times for COVID. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but he has a very good sense of humor, if you uh, But the point is, is that. He is as reliable mm-hmm. as the day is long. Yep. So I cherish him. Now, go ahead, Mark. You get the shot. All right. So I'm going to uh, I'll pivot a little <laughs> bit. And you're going to uh, reflect on one of your lifetime passions. So you, as long as I've known you, you were trying to figure out how to master this game of golf. Oh. And... Uh, you know, I missed the conversations of you telling me how you figured the swing out. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But if you had to look back at all the time you spent um, playing golf, what what brought you the most joy in that like pursuit, and uh, what did it teach you? What a show uh, off! <laughs> golf is the most humbling sport there is. Yeah. If you really have a, a lot of pride, play golf, and you'll learn pretty quickly. There's nothing to be proud about. I think if I had it to do over again, starting when I was about 25, this is going to sound funny because it isn't me, but that's what I would have done. I would have built my body up. I would have had a much stronger body than I have. I'd have worked on it, you know, lifting, that kind of thing, because I shoe that now. But what I, I think that if I was going to be better than I am at golf, the only way to get that done was to get a body that's able to punch it out there that distance. So that's what I regret, not having the body to do it all. It takes a special doctor from Canada that Tiger could introduce you to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, so I'm going to add on, because you kind of, you talked about your regret, but what, what just participating in that sport would brought you the greatest joy? Actually, you're backing me into your corner because the most fun that I can remember at golf is every year for a period of three weeks, I would go out to see him and her. <laughs> I would hope so. Dad, 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 this isn't a video. We're going to have to say names. Everybody knows. That would be Tracy Mark. and me for all of them. I'm talking about both of them, though. Because every day that I was there, they may be talking to each other in the morning, but they saw that every day I was there, except for very few, that I would be playing golf with her or with him. So, I mean, that's consideration because they knew I loved to play and uh, they made sure I got out there. So that was a real note in my life to have that kind of consideration by these two people that I would be able to do on a daily basis for about 18 days, everything I wanted to do. Thanks, Aaron and Mark. Yes. What about, yeah, what, <laughs> <laughs> well, 
What about Willow Hollow? Willow Hollow. Oh yeah, by the way. But I mean uh, I, if you want to talk about the game, which escapes me, but when I was about thirty five, I played a front nine in a go- in a golf match against a guy from Western Electric Western Electric and went and played the front nine in twenty eight. And I played the back nine in 42, which means that's 70. Now, the 28 was about roughly seven under, I think. But anyhow, I never had a day like that again in my life. But at least I had one. Yeah. One. Exactly. That's why golf is so tormenting. Right, yeah. right. So, Dad, I know... Oh, by the way, aside from that, I'm, I'm your daughter, I mean your son... Stephen. He, I'm down, Stephen, I'm down. Oh, uh, Stephen's now about, <laughs> Stephen is now about, uh, I guess, 21, 22. Anyhow, we're down at the golf trip, and he and I are walking up, and he says to me, it was been a year or two, uh, you know, 10, 20 years ago. He said, Dad, he says to me, uh, he calls me Pop Papa, Grandpa, I can't uh-huh. remember which. Do you still think about that 28? You know, he just says that to me. And the guy over here says, who, who shot a 28? <laughs> <laughs> and Stephen said, he did. He said, would you sign? <laughs> sign my card? He said, would you sign this, please? Oh. <laughs> I never met anybody. <laughs> I thought you made that I up. I thought you made that up. Oh, that was true. That's 100% true. Yeah, he was so thrilled. He told me that before, and I just thought it was a joke. No. Is that really real? Yeah. 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 Wow. That's cool. That is cool. cool. And then Stephen kept a strong jaw, and like, holy crap, this guy actually believes he shot a (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, each year went out there and played golf with Mark. Uh, As I got older and older and older... Started when I was about uh, sixty, in the, in the early sixty, sixty-five, like that, and I played with him until I was eighty-six. So we played twenty years together, and uh, I'll tell you what, he also. We told Mark Owens. Yeah. This guy. Oh, Mark Van Zalen. Yeah. You gotta specify. He's his guy. <laughs> Tracy's the one keeping it straight. <laughs> what I admired most about him. Because as you get older, it's about you, there, there's certain, certain things <laughs> I, certain things you can't do. When you tee a ball up and you're 82, mm-hmm. you can't tee a ball up because just that motion of setting the tee down and putting the ball on it will take you down there. Mm-hmm. So he would set it up. Each time I would walk up to the tee to hit it, he'd have my ball, tee it up, and i walk up and smash it. Well, not exactly. (laughs) But anyhow, what I'm saying is, you ever hear the word forbearing? That's what he was. He put up with me for 18 holes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, so I have a different question. So um, this house uh, was always a house that had tremendous music because you would always be singing and there would always be music and you always loved music. And I didn't realize that everybody didn't sing (laughs) all the time until I started going into other houses. Yeah, nobody sang. And so I want to see from your memory bank, do you remember what music is on and what we dance to when we walk into Victory Manuals? Lovely. (laughs) 
Do you remember the Bee Gees would always be on? And no, you, I didn't. Oh my gosh, you would be standing there waiting to get a table uh, at Victor Emanuel's, and you'd be dancing to the Bee Gees, oh. um, <laughs> waiting for your table to go get the Bee Gees. The Bee Gees now. So. The Andy Gibb. Yeah. Andy Gibb, yeah. Yes, that's right. Andy Gibb. Um, but I love that you have such an amazing voice, and we're always singing to mom, or always singing in the car. Like uh, we, you know, sometimes we'd have the radio, on, but I, I think you're, I think you're, um, your gift uh, in terms of just loving on all of us with music uh, has always been really, really wonderful. I, I'm so glad of that too, because Mary has it, Tracy has it. That, that love of music is there. You know, it's funny because my three girls that I have are really, really good dancers. My boys are not. <laughs> and, what I, and what I couldn't figure out is I was a good dancer. Uh, I mean, I used to compete in contests. There used to be a thing called jitterbugging years ago, and I probably never heard of it. But I used to participate in jitterbug contests and normally finish first, second, third, or fourth. I was that good at it. Can you pass that down to Christy and Stephen or one or the other? Because they actually, when they were in junior high school, they, I'm pretty sure they both won a dance contest in their, mm. in their uh, time frame, whatever, it was 8th or ninth grade. But yeah, and it's so, I guess you passed it down. Yeah. Well, as I said, that's awesome. That's awesome. Mom, what question do you have for Dad? Boy, I'll tell you when you've lived with somebody oh, yeah. this long, Don't the give away question any secrets department <laughs> really gets difficult. But I can tell you the first time I saw him, mm-hmm. I knew I'd marry him. <laughs> Absolutely, without a doubt in my mind. And he was down a long corridor in this bar, and we were going by, and he was smiling, and he had this big white hair, and beautiful white teeth, and I thought he was the most gorgeous guy I ever saw. And I went in and I talked to him, and then that was the beginning. Then we were together the whole time yeah, we were there. Yeah, yeah. And he was such a gentleman. You know, I had dated so many guys that didn't know what a gentleman was. Mm-hmm. And to be with a gentleman mm-hmm. meant a lot, you know, and he really was. Plus, he could dance, mm-hmm. yeah, which was, was a big plus, you know. And he said to me before we were done in Florida, I really like you to marry me, but you better run. Oh, yeah, that's what I said. Because, to her. yeah, he did say that because I have children from a previous <laughs> marriage. And I thought, now that a lot of guys wouldn't tell you that, mm-hmm. you know, but he said, I do. And I, uh, you know, <laughs> but anyway, I didn't run, and uh, I'm so glad I married him. Mm hmm. And so am I. Can, can you imagine what I'd be like without her? I can't imagine. No, 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 no. Some of us can't because we wouldn't be here. That would not have been good for a lot of us. Yeah, yeah. Dad, do you remember when you first saw her? Yes, um, I saw. I was up top, looking down, and uh, she was wearing a wig. That's what I yeah, noticed. Yeah, frosted she hair. Had frosted hair, and I thought, man, that's a good look. That frosted hair with. Uh, her, her features, and uh, I came down. And the first thing I said to her, I, I said, "Hi, Irish, how are you?" And that's the first words I said to her. Hey, Irish, how are you? And she responded, "How did you know I was Irish?" Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. She looked, she's very Irish looking. Yes. No. But anyhow, that was, uh, we, we, we actually met on the, the day before Thanksgiving and got married on, the, uh, what was the day? Valentine's, was, Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. Now that happens to be, that's, yeah, within here. six within, months. Within three months. Three months. With three yeah. months, yeah. Oh my yeah. God. And then I was born right <laughs> before Christmas of that same year. <laughs> That sounds a little shaky, but it was. Everybody did the math. Yeah. Ten months later, I was born. Everybody did the math ten months later? No, I mean, it... Oh, my God. Well, it was right. It's right, Joe. Yeah, it was right. There was no question about it. I could be married married ten times. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. But I could not marry her. Yes, it's possible. Amen. Amen. Well, that is. I'm re- so glad you did because I wouldn't be here. That's well, we've had a very good life. Love every one of the kids, and they've just made our life perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Joe still is not leaving the room. Still, <laughs> <laughs> he has a question. Oh, did ask. He did ask. Yeah. Oh, but he didn't get an answer. Exactly. exactly. Went down no. a different road. So, go so ahead, Dad. Dad, the question that Jody Dad, asked. Dad, tell us how proud you are of all of your children, except for. Oh, yeah. no, 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 we know how proud he's at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, you're the favorite. Skip over the favorite. You can start with Ryan and go all the way up. Oh, I'm not going to do that. It's embarrassing to them. Embarrassing to the children. No, they're but, all, in my mind, they're all equals. No, 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 no. I, let me say it differently. I thought I was the favorite. Aaron, can you erase some of this? Yeah. <laughs> I could erase a lot of it. Uh, and thank goodness. But um <laughs> So so but dad, not in terms of favorites or anything, but what do you think is really, really cool about your kids? When you think about your kids, what do you see in your mind? What do you think is really awesome? I, when really, you think of Ryan. I, I reason I what I really see in my kids. Every one of them is, I have the gift to speak mm-hmm. and to make people listen. And if I look at all of them, in some degrees, they're all that. They all can stand up and speak. And I think it's a terrible thing not to be able to do that, mm-hmm. to swallow it and say, well, I won't say anything today. I think the ability to stand up and say something is very important. And all, all, all of those seven can do it. Mm-hmm. Ryan, you, Ryan really keeps things to himself. <laughs> he never tells us what he's thinking. <laughs> Excellent. That's beautiful. We love you, Dad. Um, love did you, you learn too. how to speak in the Dale Carnegie course? Cause I taught the, I, I, yeah, I was telling her. I, I taught the Dale Carnegie course. Um, <laughs> she's now taking the Dale Carnegie course. I'm, I'm reading the book. The book, yeah. Yeah. Uh, How to win friends and influence people. Yeah, I had a fr- I had an Uncle Bud uh, who was always trying to get a laugh. And he said, I read this, I've read the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And he also said, you'll see in the book, mm-hmm. I never met a man I didn't like. <laughs> he also said that. And my Uncle Bud said, he never met your brother. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, is Uncle Beth the funniest guy you ever met? Oh yeah, but but had a natural wit, and uh, he really, he, if you said to him, could you say a few words? 
he'd give you a hundred. <laughs> well, that is awesome. Well, thank you, Dad. We thank love you. you. I, I want to scream out. When she first began, she'd do certain things wrong, and I wanted, I'd keep it down here. But she really got good after a while, and I thought there's nothing I could really teach her. But at the very beginning, I thought, she needs work. Really <laughs> oh, my needs gosh. Work. But <laughs> she got better and better. Yeah. And better. She's phenomenal. Did you know you had it in you when you first started? I mean... What, what I had it was passion for what I was talking yeah. about. Yeah. My mind has not had, you know, like the smoothness yeah. and n- not know how to start and end. And, you know, as you go yeah. on to your different audiences, but... Um, I have to say something to Daddy. Might not know it. You don't have to turn it on, but mm. I just tell him this. So, do you remember you were doing shows every week, and mm-hmm. and and then at, at a gear they were they were gonna like lay people off. They were gonna start hitting the shop hard, and even though I had a lot of time, I knew I could secure my job if I went into management or went into the the white collar side, mm. if you will, out of the shop. You know, get. Be, be something that they would not lay me off in. Mm-hmm. And here then, I thought, wow, if I was a, you know, a process analyst, I would be up at the top. You know, there would be, they w- couldn't let me go. I mean, that'd be a great idea, but that's a long time in electrical engineering and all that. And I thought about it, and then I, my, my kids were little, like five and seven, maybe six and eight, around that time. And I really felt like I wanted to give it a shot, but I knew I had to work full time, raise these kids, and then go to Penn State a couple nights a week. And a lot of it you have to do like multiple time, triple the homework at home when you, you, we were still having this major, you know, courses, but you know, we had to do a lot of it on our own, even though we went to college two nights a week. But anyway, so I was going back and forth, should I or shouldn't I? Should I or shouldn't I? I'm going to cry because should I or shouldn't I? And then I had a conversation with you one night. I know it's going to go another way that you think, but I was talking with you on the phone, and you're like, Trace, now I know that you're working full time, and then you told me what I already know. I have two kids, you know, you're a wife, and I think it would be almost impossible for you to get in that program and finish and get there. It's just like, I don't know if it's the right timing. I'm just letting you know before you jump. Which will tell you how much I know. Go ahead. Are you ready? That was enough to make for me in my life. That's right. To you to be really proud of me. <laughs> That's right. In that moment, I thought to myself, if I could do this, yeah. we'd have so much in common <laughs> because right. I'd be working there <laughs> in that position. That's right. And I, I mainly did it. And by the way, when she graduated, when she graduated school, she graduated. Listen, I couldn't do it. It took him to say, I don't think you'll be able to do it. (laughs) In those words, I jumped into it for four years with everything I had. And he would call me. I'm in Massachusetts. How'd you do on your exam? This was in the beginning. I have goosebumps. (laughs) And I couldn't wait for you to call me to tell you I got another 99 or 100 because I studied with the fact that he'd be calling me. And it's like weird that I was thinking that, but I felt like I never had the sports. Like, I just felt like I didn't have a whole lot in common, to be honest. something, Something you know is that the department chiefs would come to me and say, your daughter 
is coming up through this thing. Tell her that they should work for me. He sh she should be working for me because she had really high marks and the, the, all these guys in the department wanted to have her on her team because she was very well thought of. And I was very happy for that. But I mean, you know, I think I just needed to tell you. I <laughs> wanted to do so good and it wasn't even for anything other than, other than showing me you <laughs> to call me and tell you what I got. That's on awesome. Desk, my speech, you know what I mean? It's, I totally it's, get it. it's a weird thing, but it's like, and, and Arnie was always going like, if this is too much, it's okay. You know, nobody will be upset if you throw the towel in because oh, you're so... He would find me. I would make... After I put the kids to bed because they were young, you know, and I had to work all day. And then if I went to school, Arnie's mom came in and took care of them, you know, and did help me out with some stuff. And I would, at 8 o'clock, brew the coffee because I had to be up at 5.30, but I had to study for three or four hours oh, and get my homework done. I'll tell you, so I would so brew this... the And then Arnie would come out. No, I wasn't in the bed at two o'clock in the morning almost every night and he'd find me like this Aww. with the book like the book or the computer or something and he'd be <laughs> like uh you can't keep going like this yeah and that's what i had to do for all those years wow. plus i went to school in the summer for chemistry because you needed that part besides the electrical engineering but you know <laughs> what i was more excited to tell tell dad about my grades mm -hmm. like i studied and did as well as i did then my kids would get upset. I'd be like, oh my God, I got a 96. And I'd be so upset because I didn't. I wanted to be able to tell them it was a 98 or a And now they don't know that. I'm, I'm revealing this now. 98, 99. When I get a 96, I'm like, oh, I got a 96. And they say, mom, that's still that's really right. good. Yeah. That's good. I'm like, I know, but I don't know why I got those wrong. I knew them. I don't know why I you know, checked off the wrong thing. It's okay. Now... Stephen's in college, and he gets mad, and he has less than yeah. yeah, I, mean, I pushed it down, you know. But yeah, and it, and I hope it's not for the same reason, but it might be, you know, because he was like, can't wait for to get done with his tests and his reports to call me to tell me what I got, you know. Because yeah. when he was going through school, it was like C's and Can you, you imagine know, sometimes If somebody, if he's doing if really she, well, if, if, when she was about seventeen, eighteen. To harness that kind of oh, yeah. talent, she's she's been a or chemical engineer. Chemical yeah, engineer. Yeah, that's a shame. You know, I always think of this. Uh, mine's almost the same. Story. Yeah. <laughs> how about, how about, are you saying it's a shame? That what I said? No, it's a great news. No, story. It's, no, it's a good news because that was perseverance. Yeah, and really wanted to be able to connect with you on a level that doing what I was doing. I could connect on a level with you yep. that was thinking like, now I'm in his cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, that's you know what I mean? Then he would go awesome. to work and they would say stuff like, Tracy. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and I loved it. So yeah. I don't know if I really went through all that for the right motives, but what I the, did it. Well, you know, you, I remember coming home from school one day when I was in high school and I was doing almost every event you could do, you know, um, with sports and cheerleading and musicals and um, studies or whatever I, I was doing all that stuff and I would come home really really late at night and one day I it was probably a weeknight and I'm upstairs getting around 1130 and dad comes up he almost never comes up when I'm home, get home and he comes up and he he says Aaron I'm like yeah he's like um just just sit here right here he wants me to sit next to him on the bed and he says are you having a good time 
And I'm like, yeah, I'm having a good time. He's like, I hope you're having a good time because you're definitely burning the candle at both ends. And uh, let let me just tell you, if your study habits look like this in college... You're going to fail out and be home by Christmas. <laughs> yeah. That's what he told me. That, that, encouraging yeah. that doesn't say much about me because <laughs> here she was knocking herself out. No, but it was like this thing around, I'm going to fail out and be home by Christmas. I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't even get there by then. Um, but but I, wouldn't, I didn't think I could do what I could do until there was a challenge. Exactly. When there was a challenge, I was like, oh yeah. my gosh. Pedal to the metal. Got to go. Got to go. What about you, Ryan? Same story. I'm gonna. Can I tell you something? I always look at Dad as the protector, and he found every which way possible to protect. I have obviously have attention deficit disorder, and my legs were always moving. And uh, they, uh, the memory I have is him. I had to take this medicine, and this medicine depressed me to such a point that it caused me to focus, but only focus on the negative. I could not focus on the positive. Uh, it was called Ritalin at the time. Oh. And I'll never forget, uh, my principal had called Dad, and he picked me up, and he took me to the place to get the Ritalin. I couldn't figure out where we were going back there, but I thought they were going to up the dosage or change the dosage. Dad took the medicine, threw it against the wall at the doctor, <laughs> and said, you will never see him again. Amen. And I didn't even know that. that Amen. That's, that's the protection. And also, with Dad and, and, and Mom, too, like, letting me work at 12 was such a gift. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. again, they, it, we're, I was going to a bar, and I, I had Mary, thank God. But they gave me freedom. Wait, you went to a bar and you had Mary? Down the shore. You went to the table stool. Where Mary worked. There's Mary a lot of people oh, say, okay. I don't want my like, kid anywhere near that alcohol and seeing that stuff. But they trusted who I was. Yeah. And it did more good for me than whatever. There was no negative to it. Yeah. Because of the trust, like... They trusted that I could do it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I never felt... I don't crazy. understand. I never understood you can't yeah. with these parents, both mom mm-hmm. and dad. Mm-hmm. You you can't. They didn't let us have that. Yeah. And and it was a blessing. Like, I, I hope and I pray that I can be as good as they... And I'm trying, but as good as they did. And well, amen to that. Amen to that. Great job. I'm... I'm a quarter of what the quarter uh, father yeah. Yeah. Well, you're the favorite too these two right here <laughs> I, I'm not the favorite I, I, I failed a bunch but I am we all do I want you to know I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do the best I can be but I had really good examples yeah. I couldn't ask for better examples you better get out of here before our heads explode <laughs> <laughs> okay the truth. are you alright you know, I'm down yeah,